0: Welcome to the Gymnast Nutritionist podcast, a free resource for gymnast parents and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about hashtag Real Talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode 79 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. It is the start of 2024, which is absolutely crazy, and I have an extra special guest guest on the podcast today another one of our parents and gymnasts who went through the balance gymnast program they are not only a program alumni but they're also one of our ambassadors and i think our conversation today will be very helpful for parents who are listening and maybe have questions like what is it like working with christina what is the program like what kind of investment is it Um, what made you join what kind of results you know Mm -hmm. can you maybe see from the program and obviously Major disclaimer: um, results vary, right? And in terms of timeline, which everyone wants to know about, I'm not a magician. I don't have a magic ball. I can't tell you, you know, how long it's going to take for your kid to maybe feel better, have more energy, be stronger, their injuries be healed. There's a lot of factors that goes into that. But I think even today, you know, just sharing a little bit of this gymnast story, I think could help you see that it probably is a little bit faster than you might think, and not as much effort. I think as a lot of people believe when they think about, you know, working with a sports dietitian or working on their nutrition. So Cassie would love to introduce you. I'll give a little bit of a a short intro and let you fill in the gaps, but you have a current level 10 slash elite track gymnast. She's kind of popped on the scene in the last few years. Um, Last year, she actually started out as quote unquote, just a level nine. And then as she progressed through the season, decided to do elite track, you know, pretty late in the season, but did absolutely fabulously and crushed it. Um, and if I recall, I think you actually reached out to me sometime during her level nine season and we chit chat a little bit, but obviously that was super crazy because that was when she was finishing up the level nine season and jumping into elite late season and traveling and doing all this crazy stuff. And so I think we reconnected sometime this fall and then kind of the rest is, is history. So I'd love to hear from you just a little bit more about your gymnast and kind of some of the backstory. Like how long have we been doing gymnastics? What happened before level nine, any major injuries? How is nutrition? Just how was stuff going in general kind of prior to you even reaching out to us?
1: Um, yeah, so she started when she was like, could barely walk, um, And we started, she was very pigeon-toed and the ortho put us, told us put her in gymnastics. It'll build strength in her legs and we'll check back in six months. We checked back in six months. He cleared us, said keep her in it. And she is now loving it. Um, last season, like you said, started out as level nine. Um, but in December of last season was her first injury, um, broke her hand. So we didn't know what the season was going to look like, Um, but I think she was casted four weeks, off of it another two, and then went back, only missed bars for one meet, and then ended up having a very good level nine. And then, like you said, right after Westerns, went right into trying to qualify for hopes. Um, She had about three and a half weeks, I think, from the end of Westerns till the qualifier. And then it was another like three weeks till classics and then three weeks to championships. So it was a very long, but also seemed like very rushed season.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, and for anyone listening, you know, if you have a kid who's done elite track, you know, where they're having to qualify, it's a lot and it kind of overlaps with the developmental program season. And so a lot of these kind of elite track, elite level gymnasts. They're competing from January through like August. I mean, it is a long and grueling season. There's a ton of travel. (laughs) Not a lot of stuff is local, which obviously there's a whole lot we could talk about there in terms of like time and expenses and logistics. But I think from a nutrition standpoint, something that you guys have learned through the program is it, it takes a lot to keep a high level athlete on their game. When they're traveling, when they're you know missing workouts, when they're switching time zones, when they're not in their normal food environment, and so that's something especially with any gymnast that has goals of you know making it to elite, making it on national team, you really have to have a good handle on not just knowing how to fuel yourself when you're at home and you're in your normal routine, but how to deal with that you know when you are traveling and out and about because you know when we think about recovery. I mean, that continues for up to 48 hours after a workout. And so a lot of the gym- gymnasts are, they're working out in the morning, they're catching a plane in the afternoon, they're landing, they're working out again, they're competing the next day. And so we really have to stay on top of their nutrition to help them perform as best as they can. And I think for a gymnast like your own, you know, they're really very naturally talented and they're also very tough. And so I think it's sometimes hard to pick up on any sort of nutrition related struggle, because they're going to tell you they're fine, they're going to tell you they have enough energy, they're going to tell you that nothing hurts, and everything's fine. So I think as a parent or as a coach, you know, you may start to ask some questions, especially after you probably find me on the podcast, or you find me on social media, and you're like, "Ooh, you know, is she fueled? Like, is she getting what she needs? But then you go ask your, you know, 11, 12, 13-year-old high-level gymnast, and they're like, Yeah, I'm fine. So then you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we are fine. And I think that's something that you've learned in the program of like, okay, should have trusted my mom gut. Like, I do know what I'm talking about here. Like, I know my kid. And what I think is really cool is once a, an athlete goes from underfueled to fueled, then you really can see, like, oh, there were some maybe subtle signs that we were missing. So if we think about Kind of prior to the program for you guys, she had that injury, broke her hand, but it healed just great, you know, and she competed the rest of the season. Looking back, were there any signs that you were like, ooh, like, definitely don't think we were getting what we needed? I thought that maybe that was normal, or she told me it was normal, but maybe it wasn't. Anything kind of stand out to you there?
1: Yeah, looking back, she had a lot of headaches um, that we had taken her to the pediatrician for. Um, he basically told us they're just exertional. We can try a B supplement, but because she just works hard and is in the gym a lot, we may not be able to really get rid of them. Um, and then some other things like she'd always get in the car and it would be like I just want to rest and she'd almost take a nap almost every day from the gym home and then we'd get home and it'd be like can I lay down for 30 minutes? And that 30 minutes would turn into, can I have 10 more? And then she would end up taking a nap and school and lunch wasn't until two or three because she was tired. And there was days where I was like, man, she really needs to eat. But then I'm like, but she's been up since 545. She had a five-hour practice. Maybe she's just tired. Um, and then again, when, we, when level nine ended and she went into hopes, like we had a sprained ankle, we had a um strained hamstring and i was like like i've been on her for eating and she had already asked me i think at that point because i think she came to me around state to try to do this um so the bug was like already in there and i was like maybe she like i know she's not eating enough maybe she's starting to pick up on that um so like those were signs like the constant soreness like this nagging Thing and most of the time, like with the ankles, it was just floor would be the last event, and she was tired and she'd land short, or it just wasn't a good day. Yeah. Um, so, looking back, a lot of not so good days, lots of headaches, definitely tired, and now very few headaches, not landing short, and a lot less
0: bad days. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so passionate about, you know, helping gymnasts to feel good in their bodies, especially when you have an 11 or 12 year old, a high level gymnast that literally lives at the gym it's training 20 or 30 hours a week, or really 25 to 30 hours a week, to be honest. And it's like, if we're always tired and sore, and there's always an injury that we're nursing, and we've got headaches, and we can't get our schoolwork done, because we're falling asleep, and we're moody, and we have no social life, like, that's not going to keep happening for six more years. Like we are not going to make it to 18. And, you know, I work with a lot of elite track gymnasts where, you know, for some of them, they're like, yeah, the Olympics is my goal. Like get out of my way. And they're very talented. And it looks like, yeah, like this, this could be in the cards for you. I work with other families where they're like, I just want to make elite. Like, I just want to make senior elite or junior elite. I know that that is kind of a pathway to really get visible in front of college recruiters and hopefully get like a full ride D1 scholarship. And so, you know, for those families, I feel like there's a lot of people who will kind of hate on them of like, you don't have to do elite to make it to college. You can be a really good level 10, which is 100% true. I'm going to honor a kid's goal. And if they want to do elite first, awesome. How can we help you do that and stay in one piece? And also stay in one piece mentally, because when we get clients who are 16, 17, 18 years old, and they already have the D1 scholarship, and they've already done the elite track stuff, most of them, one of the first first things they tell me is I hate gymnastics. (laughs) I hate gymnastics. I hate going to practice. I hate my coaches. I'm always tired. I'm always sore. I have no social life. And I'm sitting here and I kind of feel like the secret keeper because I'm like, wait a second. You are a junior, you're a four or five star recruit, you are one of the first kids to sign a full ride scholarship, and that university is counting on you to show up happy and excited and ready to contribute to the team, and yet you're sitting in front of me and you hate your life. But I can't blame you because you've been doing this since you were 8, 9, 10, 11 years old and your body is tired And it's beaten down and it's broken. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. Like nutrition cannot fix all of this. There's system issues, there's coaching issues, there's whatever. But at least from a nutrition standpoint, if we can help them feel good in their bodies and not have headaches every day and not be so sore that they can't even get out of bed every day, that's just going to lift a load off them to hopefully bring back some of that joy of gymnastics, which was the whole point of, you know, doing this sport in in the first place. So, it brings me a lot of joy when I have younger athletes who still are very much on the path and, you know, starting towards these big goals where we can kind of get them back on track with nutrition and help them see that there is a another level of actually feeling good. And I think it's hard because you're probably, you know, you're surrounded by other athletes who they all are always injured and they're broken and I've even had other clients where parents of the older gymnast, you know, they'll tell them, we'll just get used to it. This is how it is. They're always broken. They're always sore. So like, know what you're signing up for. And obviously, you know, freak accidents happen, injuries happen, like stuff happens, you know, but it doesn't have to be this constant. Like I hate my life and my body doesn't work kind of thing. So tell us a little bit more. Your gymnast came across us on social media, you know, probably around March ish. And then I know we chatted a little bit, but things were just crazy for you guys. So tell me what kind of made you circle back, I think what August, September, October-ish. Um, I really think
1: it was the like back-to-back like sprains and strains, and then knowing that she wasn't eating enough but wasn't taking that from me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, she brought this up. We need to find a good time. And then after championship, she got invited to the Devo invite camp and like her goal leaving that camp or going to that camp was she wanted like the official invite to Devo. Um, That was like her big thing. And she went, she had a good camp, but she looked tired. She looked really, really tired. Um, And I think she got like twelfth on physical abilities and, we came back and or she came home. And the day she came home, she like slept all day. And I was like, you know what? Like We spend so much money on traveling and meets and just overall like tuition and fees. And no matter what path she stays on, the end goal will always be a college scholarship. Whether she goes elite and it goes fantastic or she drops back to J.O., end goal will always be college. And I'm like, that's great. But your body has to get you there. And so I was like, you know what? She brought it up. If she's going to do it, we'll do it. And I think we jumped in right after that September Mm -hmm. invite camp. And I think it was like, right after we jumped in, we found out that she was invited back for the November one. And I was like, perfect. Like, this is going to give us a good insight of like, was she that underfueled? Have we done enough? Are we making improvements? And she went in November and she got first on physical abilities. Like she didn't look tired. When I would talk to her, she had energy. She was telling me that she did feel better. Like she could focus more. She wasn't so stressed. Like it wasn't so anxious and scary. And that was a big eye opener of like, okay, I knew. And now she knows. Mm -hmm. And then not only in that, like at practice, like she was getting stuff at the very end of practice. She would try a new skill at, you know, 1259 when practice ends at one and she'd get it. And she was like, I didn't even feel tired. And she, you know, talks on the way home, sits down right when we get home, does homework, does school. So I think that that was a big eye opener and has helped just kind of guide the path. Yeah. Yeah. Even more.
0: It's huge. I mean, and for those who don't know, like invite camp, Devo camp, these are kind of camps that USA Gymnastics puts on for gymnasts who are on that elite path. So generally around like level eight, nine, 10, you can start to do um, what's called hopes, which is kind of what's below like junior, senior elite, which those are like senior elite is obviously the Olympic level. And so, yeah, if anyone knows about those camps, they're pretty grueling and not in a bad way, but you usually get in, you know, you might have a workout that first night for a couple hours. And then for the next two days, the gymnasts usually have at least two, like three, three and a half hour workouts. And so they're staying at a hotel, their parents aren't there. They're, you know, sharing a room with another gymnast and it's super fun. And it's, it's a really wholesome part of, I think, building the community among kind of these elite track gymnasts, but you definitely get thrown in the deep end in sense of like, your 11 year old gymnast is responsible for feeding herself. And she has to get herself down to breakfast at the hotel and she has to make some choices and make sure she's fueled. They then go to the gym and she's got this, you know, three, three and a half hour workout, which is definitely long enough to need intra workout nutrition, especially with how difficult the workouts are. They then get served lunch, which again, like no one's standing over her. Mom's not there. So she has got to know how to fuel her body They then get a little bit of rest time. They then go back for the second workout. Then they have dinner. And then they've got the evening just to kind of wind down and hang out. And so anytime I have clients that go to these camps, I'm like, look, we have to treat this like a competition. You know, you are being watched. You are being scouted. Like, yes, your personal coach is there, but also all of the national team staff, coaches, and clinicians are there, which is, you know, a huge opportunity but you're also being watched. And so it's not like practice where, yeah, if you have a bad day at practice, like your coaches know you, there's probably a little bit more grace and understanding. It's like, no, at this very prestigious camp that you are invited to, you want to be able to perform your best at every single workout. And that doesn't mean you're perfect, right? Like these are developmental elites, like they're learning the skills, they're getting stronger or whatever, but we can't be falling apart. We can't be sitting you know, as a puddle of tears and we can't be, you know, pooping out at the end because we're underfueled. And, and that's often what happens. And I, I don't know if I talked about this in another podcast episode, but something I definitely talk about on Instagram is how it's hard to tell if a gymnast is unmotivated or they're tired. And so, especially at these camps where a lot of it is self-driven in terms of how many turns you take, asking for corrections, asking for help, you know, all of that is making impressions in front of the national team staff. And if they don't see you actively engaging, they might think that you don't care and you're not motivated. When the reality is it's probably not that you're just probably exhausted. Like your kid is probably exhausted because they're not eating enough. They probably didn't get to bed on time, which is probably their fault. Right. And so that's again, like helping these gymnasts understand that like you're, you're going into battle here. Like you got to have everything in its place so that you can keep progressing towards your goals. And so I think our second session, we were able to sit down and plan out her fueling, which, you know, she did a good job. Like I work with some gymnasts who are like extremely picky eaters and we have to get really nitty gritty to make sure that they get enough fuel. I think for you guys, it's just the enough factor. And I remember our very first session, um, you know, I think every parent, they're curious, right? Of like, how bad is it, right? Is my kid really underfueled? Are they really not eating enough? And normally in that first session, we'll do like a 24 hour recall. I'll go through a typical day of what they eat. And then depending on what's going on in the symptoms, I might also be like actually crunching the numbers, you know, behind the screen here and really looking at everything. Um, and I knew, I mean, I just know if a kid's training almost 30 hours a week, it's just almost logistically impossible for them to get enough foo- food um, especially when you're like trying to feed them super healthfully which is what you're told to do and so you knew that she was underfueled but i think it was probably pretty eye opening and even to her as well um, but like most gymnasts it's you know there's there's resistance of like but i can't eat more i don't want to feel sick i don't want to feel heavy or this that and the other but I think what was unique about your situation is you have a very driven gymnast who's also very smart for her young age. And so I think just explaining to her, like, look, when you only eat, you know, only eat a bagel for breakfast, while that's not awful, like that's a lot better than most kids, that's just not enough for you and your body in a five hour workout. And so when you get three or four hours into that workout, and everything feels heavy, and everything feels harder, and you're having trouble focusing, you're falling asleep in the car, like you're getting a headache, like that's your body's way of giving a sign that it's not getting what you need. So after that first session, what was like the behind the scenes conversation? Because it's one thing for me to say this in front of, you know, parent and gymnast, and everyone's nodding their heads and saying, yes, the plan sounds great. But what was the actual conversation when you got off the call about, you know, what we talked about, what the plan was, and what she needed to do? Then initially, the first
1: conversation, she was just excited because you said, give her candy. So she was like, see, like, I can have candy. Um, But then, like, that was her initial, like, takeaway from it. Then next morning when I was like, okay, let's let's do your bagel. Let's do, you know, what do you want on it? Cream cheese, peanut butter. I'll give you Nutella. What do you want on it? And then we're going to do some yogurt and we're going to do some milk. And it was a fight about milk because she hates milk. She's like, well, I don't want the milk. You know, we're just starting this. It's already going to be too much. Can I just eat a little bit of the yogurt and I'll eat all of my bagel? Or I'll eat all of the yogurt and like half of my bagel. And that continued probably... Like three or four days until she realized, like, okay, I'm not gonna get sick. It's not too much food. Like, it feels like it because I haven't done it, but I think that was only almost a week, not even. Um, And then once it was like an everyday thing and she knew, like, okay, we're just doing this. I don't really have a choice. Um, We had a Saturday where it was just crazy. Her brother had baseball, we had to get it. Like they both had to be at the same place at the same time. I was being a single parent that weekend. Um, and we rushed out the door and she only had a bagel. And I, when I picked her up from gym, she was like almost in tears. And she's like, can we please stop and get like Chipotle or something before we go back to the field? Like I am starving. And it was like that aha teachable moment of this is what you did for three, four years was just a bagel. How did you survive? And so, I really actually liked that little like mishap because it was like, oh, I told you, like I was right, and now, mm-hmm. now you see it. So yeah, behind the scenes were, eh, give or take, good and bad some days, yeah. but overall, great.
0: Yeah, and a very short process too. I mean, I that's what I tell most gymnasts of. Like, you might be more full, or you might be a little uncomfortable, or it might just feel uncomfortable because it's different. But when you jump in, like you guys did with both feet of like, we're doing this, this is about safety, this is about your health, this is about your performance, like this is about, you know, aligning our behaviors with your goals, it it then becomes pretty, pretty autopilot. I think especially when when the gymnast then starts feeling better, like that's the buy in. And I tell people all the time, you know, action comes before motivation, everyone waits around waiting to get motivated to work out or to eat healthy or whatever. And it just doesn't work like that. Like you have to do it first to then kind of realize like, oh yeah, when I do go walk the dog every morning, I feel better. When I do drink my electrolytes every day, I don't get a headache, you know? And it's kind of a continuous reinforcement. I think obviously habits get easier. Um, but yeah, I have, to, I have to side note about the candy. That's hilarious that that was her first takeaway. Um, I think our first session was somewhere around Halloween. And so of course, with all my clients, you know, how candy is handled in the house tells me a lot about just the food environment and probably what's going on with the gymnast. And I will say that probably the segment of our clients that struggle the most with food are the elite track gymnast. And I think it's because they tend to get a more heavily concentrated message from Parents, from coaches, from culture, that it ha- you have to eat clean, you have to eat healthy, has to be lean and green, no candy, no sugar, no sports drinks, whatever. And obviously, that is like super old school advice that is not physiologically sound. But what it really does is it number one, leaves kids underfueled and it leaves them so restricted that then when they are at these camps or when they are at friends' houses or birthday parties, like they're the kid at the table eating five cupcakes, <laughs> and so I know for you guys, we talked a little bit about candy, and I think just from your background of CrossFit and also you know military background where there's PT tests and there's you know weight weight checks and waist measurements. Like I've I live that with my own spouse. Um, yeah, it, it's just a different it's a different food environment and kind of a food thought, and so you weren't anti candy, but it definitely wasn't, it wasn't something we probably had a lot, but it definitely was something your gymnast loved. And I think your gymnast loved it because she was under And that's just the brain's way of knowing that candy is a quick source of energy. But then I think like anything in life when we can't have it, we want it. So yes, I think I did tell you that first session of, I actually do want you to offer the olive branch to like include some candy at a meal or a snack, or let her have some sort of quick sugar as part of her intra-workout carbs, just to teach her that these foods aren't, they're not off limits. We're not going to eat them all the time, every day, every meal, but we can learn to self-regulate because especially with these elites, they're on their own a lot. And, you know, I don't need your elite gymnast traveling to Olympic trials and binging on candy from the airport. Because she never gets candy, right? Like I need her making the appropriate choices of fuel and knowing what to eat when and not feeling like, you know, we have to FOMO eat because that's what causes, that's really what causes the issues with health, with body comp, with stuff like that. So tell me, how is the candy now? I mean, we've we've made it through Halloween, we've made it through Thanksgiving, we're in the thick of the the Christmas season right now. So how is that in kind of the household?
1: So it's funny you say that actually, because today she today was a double practice day, and she texted me and she's like, "I ate all my snacks. Can you please send me some money so I can get a Gatorade and get some veggie straws out of the vending machine?" And three four months ago, she would have got Starburst, wow. but because I wasn't there, she would have got the Starburst Starbursts and the Gatorade. And today she got veggie straws and a Gatorade and an extra water. And I was like, oh, it worked. Like, It's amazing. Because like I said, three, four, five months ago, it would have been Starbursts or a Twix bar or Snickers. And today it was veggie straws after she ate everything I packed for her.
0: I love it. And that's exactly how it works. It It doesn't make sense. But when you do implement it, it, it does make sense, right? And I, I mean, I struggled with this. I've shared this on the podcast. My mom, she wasn't like a clean eater just because that verbiage didn't exist, but it definitely was like, we were not a candy household. We were, I think I've seen this on Instagram. They call it like ingredient moms. Uh, we were an ingredient household where like, if you wanted something sweet, you were sneaking a handful of chocolate chips from the pantry. Like we didn't actually have anything good and you know, that set both my sister and I up for up for failure. You know, when we got out of the house, we both kind of had our own little honeymoon implosion phase where we kind of had to figure out food. And, you know, from a gymnast perspective, and I talk about this a lot, like, those are the kids where we've been elite track, we've been massively underfueled, we're behind in growth and development, we either bump down to level 10 before high school's over, or we go from elite to college where now it's way less hours, way less intensity, and they have zero idea how to feed themselves. And they often just implode and they, they binge, they FOMO eat, their body's just not metabolically in a good place. And so when I tell parents like, yes, I want you to allow your kid to have dessert and candy. Like I'm keeping the long game in mind. Like I'm thinking about what's going to happen to them at 18, 19, 20. And how can we help that transition Just be as smooth as possible, or even when they stop gymnastics, right? Like, I think the unfortunate reality is a lot of us former gymnasts really struggle with food, struggle with body, struggle with weight. And I think, especially those who struggle with their weight, a lot of it is from that micromanaging of food when they were younger. So I love it. I love that you were open to it. I wasn't sure. I mean, I'm never sure with a client, and you know, we all have kind of assumptions. And I was like, okay, like, This is a former military mom. So I get a little bit, I get a little bit of the thinking here. Um, We did CrossFit, which that is typically like paleo, clean eating, macros, whatever. Um, And then just knowing like you're in the elite gymnastics world. I was like, oh man, I'm not sure how this is going to go down. But normally, just like with you guys, when we explain it and we talk through it, even though it sounds scary, because I think every parent's fear is, oh my gosh, if I let her have candy, she's going to eat too much. And maybe she does it first. But if you continue to offer it and show her that it's not going anywhere, then we're able to kind of level out. And then you come to the dark side and you're like, oh, this works. This makes sense.
1: Yeah, it it did. It made a lot of sense. And it I think it's also helped because it's not this like battle at the grocery store. Like, can I get this? Can I get this? Can I get this all the time? And it's not an argument almost every time anymore. Yeah,
0: And that's, I think that's like an intangible from the program of, I'm like, look, I want to help you guys have a healthy relationship with food, but also with each other. Like, I don't want mealtimes to be a battle. I don't want, you know, you to be nagging her. I don't want you to be fighting at the grocery store checkout and her feeling like you never give her anything. like, Those are things that when we can help fix that, like that just repairs your relationship, you know, mother, daughter. And that's what happened to mine. Like My my mom now went from like never having anything ever in the house to now when I go home and see her as an adult, she has so many like sweets and treats and she'll get a huge cake made to the point where because I let myself have that when I want it, it's just like not a big deal. Like she buys a nice cake and we all have a little bit of it and then it just sadly like goes to waste, which that's fine. It's already paid for. It doesn't matter. Um, but that's just been so healing for our relationship because that is not how it was, you know, as a kid, as a gymnast. Um, but it definitely was, was a big mindset shift. So tell us a little bit more about what were some of the first differences that you noticed in just that first, you know, week or two versus maybe some of the changes that took a couple months for you to start noticing with your gymnast. Cause I think everyone always asks like, well, how quickly can I see results? Right. And I'm like, well, I can't promise you any results. That's like literally against the FTC and unethical, but it also depends on your gymnast, right? Like it depends how underfield they are. It depends kind of how quickly you jump into things. It it just depends on a lot of factors. So at least in your situation, obviously that first week we kind of got through the initial, like, Oh, this is a lot more food but I'm kind of with the program here and it's really not that bad. What did you start to see in that next couple weeks? Did coaches take notice kind of what happened there?
1: Yeah. The next couple weeks attitude was better. Um, I I think I had mentioned she was talkative in the car. She was energetic in the car. It wasn't like I'm going to put my hood on and go to sleep until we get home. Like we would talk, we would joke. She'd come home, she'd make her lunch do school. Um, which was huge because before it was like, okay, no, you really have to get up. Like you really need to eat. You really need to do school. I don't want to be doing school till seven. So the fact that that was almost an immediate change again, like also helped our relationship because I wasn't, it was one less thing that I was nagging on. Um, and then the energy in the gym, like she wasn't tired by the end of the the last event, and she had more power. She put like a new skill on the floor the first time and was able to rebound out of it, very first time. And she's always been powerful, but I mean, for her first time putting it on the floor and having power to rebound out, I was like, wow, how'd that feel? And she was like, good. And then I think it was her triple series, like, very first day, her coach told her, Hey, why don't you try it on the high beam? Like she did it. And she's like, I didn't hesitate. Her coach even texted me. I was like, she was really brave. She just got up there and she did it. And normally like going up to the high beam for a new skill, it's scary. And sometimes they pause and it takes a little while. And um, I asked her, I was like, well, how was it? She's like, I like, wasn't even scared. And I was like, Hmm, maybe because you weren't tired or your legs didn't feel heavy or your brain trusted your body. And we talked about that and she was like, "Eh, yeah, but I think like she knew something felt different and it was good. So we saw all those. And I think I actually messaged you one of those days and I'm like, are we crazy? Like, yeah, she thinks she feels a difference. Is this too early? And you're like, "Mm, not when you're under fuel.
0: Yeah. So. I love that. Again, I think some of those intangibles of because our brain is better fueled, we can stay awake and get our schoolwork done. We can get our schoolwork done more efficiently. So then we have more time for fun time and screen time and like whatever we get to do to kind of unwind. I think the like the braveness at gym, that's also huge because the underfueled brain is an anxious brain. So then when you're asking your body to do a triple series on the high beam, your brain is like, no, thank you. We're going to die versus If we can at least fuel it a little bit better, that just can help give us some more confidence and just give the brain a chance to say, wait a second, like we have done this before, right? We've done it on the medium beam. We can do this. Um, so yeah, I I love it. For me, I like it when coaches notice because that's just so powerful. And I think it's also so reinforcing for the gymnast of yes, like this is worth it even when my teammates aren't doing this, even when no one around me is doing this, like this is my body, this is working for me. And this can be part of our our plan. So yeah, I remember when you messaged me and you're like, "Is, is this really, is this working? And I'm like, yeah, like absolutely. One or two weeks seeing improvements like that. Like I'm not shocked. And often with kids like your gymnast, they're usually on the cusp of some new skills. And then the fueling just takes them over the edge. And that's huge, right? Because it can be very frustrating trying to learn a new skill, especially if that's like a, a requirement for the next level. Um, I think probably just the biggest swan song of all of this was just how much she improved physical abilities wise, right? She went from 12th place to literally winning it at the next camp, which is huge. And like you said, in one of your messages to me, you're like, nothing else changed. Like, same coaches, same practice, same hours, same recovery strategies, like same everything. And it makes sense though, because if you're not getting enough nutrition to repair and recover, you're not really getting enough to adapt to the training or get better, faster, stronger. And so I just had that convo with a kid today of like, oh, how's physical abilities? And she's like, well, everything's good. It's up the heck, the Cassian stands, and you have to do 10 Cassian stands in a row. And she's like, I get to six and then I'm tired and my arms give out. And again, you know, part of it is strength gain and part of it is just that adaptation, but that can't happen without the fueling. And so I think, you know, when I tell families and tell gymnasts, like, look, leveraging nutrition can give you that competitive edge. This is exactly what I'm talking about because all of these kids are motivated. All of them train a ton. They do a ton of conditioning, right? Like they're all doing the same things and yet nutrition and probably sleep. Like that's, that's the magic sauce right there. So I think that was just kind of icing on the cake. Um, And since then, what happened after that camp?
1: Um, After that camp, she got her invite to Devo for the next season. So that was another like aha moment. And I laugh about the whole nutrition and the fueling because the very first camp, when she went in September before we started with you, I sent her with like a small draw bag of snacks and she got there Monday afternoon. And I think it was like Tuesday night. She told me she was out of them. And I was like, how I like sent you all these snacks. But then we started working with you. And when she went in November, I bought a full size suitcase and the whole half of it, one whole half was snacks. And I just kind of laugh. And like you said, nothing changed like all of Everything was the same except the nutrition. And then when she got her goal of, yeah, she got the official invite, it was like, man, I wish we would have done this sooner because, like, where would she have, where would she be now if we had been fueling the whole last year? Because I really feel like that jump from eight to nine is huge. And had we started a year earlier, what, like, how much? better would right. things be?
0: And she didn't have a bad year, right? I mean, she made it all the way yeah. to Westerns her first year of nine. She succeeded the whole elite track season, made it to the very end. But again, it's just, it's kind of like Simone Biles, you know, she's not satisfied with the status quo. She doesn't just like do the requirements. And so I think it's the same thing with nutrition of like, how far can we keep pushing the envelope here? Right? Like, what more could be possible for your gymnast in terms of strength and skills and endurance and power? Um, and even, you know, we talk about this a lot, like from a deduction standpoint, right? Like, you know, landing with your chest up, not landing short, not stinging your ankles, right? Having explosiveness off the vault. Like it's, it's one huge feat in and of itself to just do the skills but obviously, like your kid probably wants to win, right? They want to do well. And so I think, you know, having enough fuel to support them energy-wise and recovery-wise I think is is huge. So I'm excited. I'm really excited for her season this year. It sounds like level 10 slash question mark, maybe maybe elite, which this year for those listening is a very unique year because it is an Olympic year. And so for all of our, you know, elite track gymnasts, junior elite, senior elite, the whole elite season is moved up by like almost three months. And so because of that, um, I know the discussion right now with a lot of my elite track clients is they're trying to kind of figure out like, how are we going to navigate developmental program season level nine, 10 versus elite, you know, what makes sense for our gymnasts and I think that's really smart in and of itself because, again, when you have an eleven or twelve year old gymnast, there's a lot more time and mileage and wear and tear that's going to come with trying to reach these goals. And so, I think just being smart, and again, all, all along the way, having that nutrition piece to support them in whatever they choose. Yeah, yeah, I agree,
1: and it's just a long path. And if there's one thing that you can control and it's something as simple as nutrition that you have to eat every day anyway, like why not take control of that one thing?
0: And I think that's so important for parents to hear because I, you know, so much of it is out of your control, right? Like you can try to pick the best gym, you can try to pick the best coaches, but you can't control every exchange that goes down. You can't control what the plan is, right? Like you're not a coach. Obviously injuries and freak accidents happen that have nothing to do with, with nutrition, but at the same time, nutrition is always part of, of the recovery and the prevention process. And so I think especially for my elite track parents, something I, I notice is they tend to get very very invested and often very stressed, right? Because it is a lot of time and money and emotional bandwidth that you are investing. And so I think maybe channeling some of that, not in a micromanaging controlling way with nutrition, but more from that like safety and adequacy piece of, you know, let's foundationally first, make sure you're eating enough. Then let's make sure you're getting the right foods at the right time. So thinking like nutrient timing, carbs, protein, fat, Once those two things are nailed, then absolutely, like, let's definitely employ those advanced strategies, working on nutrient density and variety, you know, all of that makes sense. And unfortunately, people do it backwards. Like what I notice the most with my elite clients is they'll come to me, they're on 18 different supplements that, you know, do this, that, and the other, they eat clean, they do whatever, but it's like, you're meeting 50% of your nutrition needs you're getting a fourth of how much carbohydrate you need in a day. And it's no wonder like your kid is always tired and injured. And I think for a lot of these kids, they never make it. They never make it. And when I'm at elite competitions with clients and I'm watching, you know, we watch the little 11, 12 year old 13, 14 year old hopes divisions. And there's a lot of them like relatively, there's a lot of them competing. And I'm like, we won't see 90% of these kids when they're 14, 15, 16 years old, largely because of unintentional underfueling and them just ending up too injured and too burnt out. Um, And I hate that because I know that these kids, they have goals. They love the sport. And I always tell gymnasts, I want you to go as far as you want to and not your body be the reason that you stop, which again, like there are still a lot of cultural issues in the sport as to why kids burn out and they quit and too much too soon. But again, you know, I also work with families who are at fabulous clubs that have amazing coaches that really do protect these athletes and try to pace them and and help them reach their goals. But even with the best of coaches, you know, it's not going to happen if that nutrition piece is not in place. So what would you tell another parent, you know, maybe a parent of a level five, six, seven gymnast. you know, maybe they do tops, or maybe they want to do elite track, or maybe they just want to make it to level nine and 10 you know, what would you tell them about nutrition and kind of where they maybe need to fit that into kind of the whole picture of what they're doing with gymnastics? I mean, I would tell them
1: what I've started to say since we did this program is that no matter what path the gymnast is on, the end goal is still the same. They want to get to college. They eventually, that is where they want to go. I mean, all the girls where she's at, that that's the goal, whether they're elite or not is college. And it's a fantastic goal, but it's a long road. And like you said, their body has to get them there. And if I would have known like what I know now and from listening to you and going through the program, I would I would have done it a lot sooner, regardless of the cost. Um, because it was really, really eye opening. And I think. I know I said that she mentioned it and she had brought it up. But one thing that you like, I started following after she had did that. And one thing that like really caught my eye is she had just had like her well child visit and the pediatrician was like, my husband asked about, you know, puberty and all of that. And he was like, Oh, she probably won't start till like 15 or 16. And I had just seen a post that you had made about how under fueling leads to the delay in puberty and how the delay in the whole cycle affects bone density. And I was like, okay, no, like she is 12. She still has six more years to college. We got to get her there. And I think that was a big, like, yeah, we need to, we need to make this investment and we need to do it because if she doesn't get there, then this investment that we've been paying into Mm -hmm. is gone. Yeah. So that's, that's what I would say is, do it sooner rather than later and just have that extra, you know, skill in your yeah. lineup.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it is right. It is an investment. And yet again, it's like parents will shell out, you know, 90 to 150 bucks for a leotard. They'll shell out, you know, 600 bucks for a one day camp. And that doesn't even include the fight in the hotel, right? Like when you're at this level <sighs> of sport, you're, you're committed and you pay a lot for tuition and you pay a lot for everything that goes along with it. And I don't just say this because I'm a dietitian, but if we think rationally, you know, nutrition is the foundation of everything that your kid is doing in now the sport. And so if that piece isn't in place, yeah, you are jeopardizing your money and your time and your effort and their time and effort. And and that's what probably kills me the most is like these kids want it. And yet we almost like let them down because we don't know, right? If you don't know, you can't, you can't do anything about it. And I think most parents until you come across someone like me and you start to hear things of like, wait, you're telling me that her not getting her period until 16 is actually not normal. Or you're telling me that it's actually not normal for her to always be tired and always be hurt and always have headaches. Right? Like a lot of this stuff is kind of, it's cultural conditioning to where it's really difficult to understand like what's normal and what's not. But when you see the light, I think that's what all parents say of like, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I'd learned this earlier. I think my, my hardest population to convince is the level six, seven, eights, where on the surface, everything seems fine. Their kid's healthy-ish, right? It, although for a lot of them, we actually look at the growth charts and they're already behind. And if you're behind on growth, it means you're underfueled. And if you're underfueled, you're not repairing, right? So for a lot of those kids, there's already a lot of stuff happening underneath the surface, but- You know, oftentimes there are very subtle changes that, you know, your pediatrician won't catch or you're not even going to the pediatrician because your kid's quote healthy. So you're like, I don't need to go. So then no one's looking at growth. You know, when everyone else at the gym is tired or injured or whatever, and you're, you know, your kid's still pretty good. Like, I think that comparison can be so harmful because you're just not comparing to reality. And so I think now, you know, and now you see the difference. And I think like most of our program parents, you know, they know They have gymnasts in their lives. They have families where they're like, oh my gosh, like if I could just get this through your head, like I know that this would help your kid, Uh, but it's hard, right? Like you kind of have to wait until people ask questions or be open to it, which is fine. But I think if anything, you know, parents just need to have an open mind of you just don't know what you don't know. And just like when you started in this sport, you didn't know what scoring was, you didn't know what a backhand swing was, like, there's a lot that you've learned along the way that it's the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Like, you first start out, and you don't really know anything, then you learn something about a topic, and you think you're an expert, but then you keep learning, and you dip way back down into the valley of, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I think, you know, staying, staying humble, and saying, you know what, I do know a lot of stuff, I would say most of the families we work with like they have a decent working knowledge of nutrition, right? They're not ignorant of what carbs and protein and fat are and and how to make healthy choices. Like they're not ignorant of that at all, but fueling a gymnast training 30 hours a week is just a whole different beast. So with that, I super appreciate your time and being here and sharing with us a little bit about your journey. I am so excited to see what happens with your gymnast. We'll definitely do a, a part two in the future to kind of carry on and, If anyone listens to this, wants to talk with one of our ambassador families, just to hear it from someone else, feel free to shoot me a message. And I'm happy to connect you to someone that can kind of share about their own unique experience. So with that, is there anything else left to say? Or I think we've said all the things. Yeah, I think we covered it all. Well, best of luck the rest of this season. So happy to have you as part of the program and one of our ambassadors. And I will talk to all you listening next week. Bye for now. so much for listening to this episode of the gymnast nutritionist podcast sponsored by the balanced gymnast method course make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss out on any episodes you can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us if you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at ChristinaAndersonRDN.com. Share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, ChristinaAndersonRDN.com work with us. Bye for now.